Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. In one of my favorite fantasy book series called The Wheel of Time, I don't like the television show, but I like the book series, the heroes were given the seal from one of the queens on a letter where they could travel about with the authority of the queen of the land and protection. And here's what it says. What the bearer does is done at my order and by my authority. Obey and keep silent. It's my command. The heroes thought they had found the golden ticket. They had the seal of the queen with a letter giving them permission and protection and resources to do whatever they want. Little did I know that the author had stolen it from Alexander Dumas, who wrote in 1844, The Three Musketeers, where D'Artagnan came into the cardinal, and the cardinal says, you're going to die. And D'Artagnan said, no, you gave me your seal of protection. And he hands the letter to the cardinal, and he reads, December 3rd, 1627, it is by my order and for the good of the state that the bearer of this letter has done what he has done. When you have the seal of the king, the seal of the one of the, in authority, the seal of the queen, with a letter giving you protection and permission and resources, you can do whatever you want, right? Wouldn't it be great if somehow, some way, someone in authority would give us a seal of permission stamped right on our forehead to go about in complete no fear because you have the protection of the king tattooed on your arm or on your face. Wouldn't that be interesting? You know, the Bible says that every believer of God is going to be sealed, stamped, marked by the Holy Spirit. And those who follow Satan will also have a mark on their forehead and arm. The number 666. Today we are going to talk about Revelation and the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is found in Revelation chapter 13. And we are going to try to answer the question. Here's the question that was given to us for the trending topic. To conclude our trending sermon series... Is the digital dollar the mark of the beast? That's what we're going to talk about today. So hang with me as we open up the book of Revelation chapter 7 and see what God has to say about these seals and stamps and marks, believers and unbelievers and the mark of the beast. And we're going to get to all that if you can just hang with me. Would you mind if we pray, though, for help from the Holy Spirit helping us understand and to reveal Scripture to us? Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that you have given us Scripture That we, if we study it and we read it in context and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will open our eyes to understanding. You will open our hearts to be changed and transformed by your grace and your power. And right now, Lord, that's what we ask. We ask that as you open up the scripture to us, that you would give us understanding and transformation so that we can become more like Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We do have uh, the kindergarten through fifth graders in here, here today. We call it Family Sunday. We do it every fifth Sunday. And um, 
Miss Cheryl has provided these seek and find the truth bags on how to learn the books of the Bible for you to take home with your family, one, one bag per family. We want you to take it home. We want you to do that. And uh, there's some activity bags in the back uh, for kids. And she asked me, Cheryl, our children's minister, she said, hey, Dale, what are you talking about for Family Sunday? I want to make sure I provide something. I said, well, we're going to study the end of the world, the wrath of God, the mark of the beast, and revelation. She goes, no, no, really. What are you studying for Sunday morning? I said, no, that's what we're going to study. That's what we're going to study. We were, we were asked a question. Is the digital dollar the mark of the beast? And we're going to get to that. I, I want, first, I want to open with, um, you know, a lot of people are scared of Revelation because it, it, it has some confusing images in it, some complicated images sometimes. There's a lot of people that fight about Revelation, and uh, there are some that won't touch it. In fact, uh, one preacher I heard, he said uh, he grew up in the church, and he can only remember growing up in the church, but he never even heard about Revelation until he got to middle school, and then his church never mentioned it again this whole time while he was there. Well, Revelation is a is one of the letters in the Bible that we are supposed to read. In Revelation chapter 1, it says, Blessed is the person who reads this letter, who hears this letter, and obeys this letter. We are supposed to read it and obey it. And it is a letter we're supposed to read and hear and obey. And there is a blessing for us when we do. When we read and hear and obey this letter, we will be blessed. Who doesn't want to be blessed by the Lord? So we need to read Revelation. We need to try to understand it. We need to do the best we can. Uh, but Revelation, it does not flow in a chronological order like we are used to. For example, on that fantasy story that I told you, or the story of the three musketeers, there is the introduction, you're introduced to the characters, there's the plot, there's a, the, the arc of the story, the, the climax of the story, and then it comes down until the conclusion. Well, Revelation kind of doesn't work like that. In Revelation, we find in chapter 6, the end of the world has happened. Well, there's a lot more chapters to go in Revelation if the end happens in chapter 6. And then we turn over a couple of pages and we see in chapter 11, the end of the world has happened, which is kind of strange because we've already seen the end of the world reported by John in his vision in chapter 6. And then in chapter 14, we see the end of the world happen twice. And then we see the end of the world in 15, the end of the world in 16, the end of the world in 17, the end of the world in 18, the end of the world in 19, and the end of the world in 20. John is reporting and recapitulating, recapping this scene of the end of the world from this angle and from this angle, and from this angle, and from this angle. And he is trying to show us a bunch of different angles of what it looks like when the end of the world happens. I say all that to tell you that it, it doesn't read chronological order, and it's okay. But we have to understand that to read it. And believe it or not, Revelation is not a prophecy book that tries to predict the future to let you know when Jesus is coming back. Revelation is a prophecy book that tells you who God is, what his desires are, and what his commands for his people on how to live today should be. Revelation is about how do you live today. One preacher said, if you just make Revelation all about the future and you try to determine what it predicts about the future, you can ignore being disobedient in the present. That is not the life of Christ. The life of Christ that we're supposed to follow is to be obedient today and trust him for the future. And Revelation makes that abundantly clear that God wins in the end. 
But in the meantime, in between all those end scenes that we see, all the same recaps of the end scene that we see, there are commands in there that we need to obey. And before we can get to the mark of the beast, which happens in Revelation 13, I thought we would look at Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. Here is where it's going to talk about being sealed or stamped carrying around the mark of the Holy Spirit on your person. It says that every believer is going to be stamped by the Holy Spirit. Now, we, we are among, I think, there's a lot of professing Christians in this room, a lot of people who claim to follow Jesus, a lot of people who are baptized into Jesus. I want you to look around. Does anybody see a Holy Spirit stamp on anybody's forehead in here? See, it's a symbolic image talking about how you're stamped with the Holy Spirit. When... <laughs> When uh, Carrie and I, back before we had kids, when we were fun, um, we, we went on vacation and we had black suitcases and uh, everybody else has black suitcases. So we took uh, leopard striped duct tape and wrapped our suitcases. And so when they came on the convo- conveyor belt down and we were at the airport and we went to pick up our bags, we knew exactly which bags were ours. I heard, I heard this story about how the Holy Spirit stamps us with his mark so that when Jesus comes back, he knows who he's taken home. It's like you have invisible tiger stripe duct tape on you. Jesus knows who his people are. In Revelation chapter 7, it talks about how his people, God's people, are stamped by the Holy Spirit. Now remember I told you, Revelation chapter 6 tells the end of all time. The judgment and wrath of God. And chapter 7 continues the story. Here's what chapter 7 does. Talking about the mark of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 7. After this. What what is it after? Well, it's after the end scene. I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. This is John speaking. He sees this vision in heaven. God gave the vision to Jesus who gave it to an angel who gave it to John so he could give it to us. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind would blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, holding the seal of the living God, the stamp, the mark, the tattoo that's going to go on every believer. And he called out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea, or the trees, until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. Every believer can trust that the seal of the Holy Spirit is good and protective because of the results of God's mark. The results of God's mark. Number one, the number one result of God's mark on you, the seal of the Holy Spirit, the stamp of God's approval, what he marks you with to know he's coming back to get you is it protects us from the wrath of God. Look at Revelation chapter 7 verse 3 again. Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. This is an invisible mark. It's a spiritual mark, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, in chapter 6, he tells the picture of the end of the world. I'll read read some of chapter 6, starting in verse 12. 
I looked, and when Jesus broke the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig drops its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. What's that sound like to you? If every mountain and island disappears and the sky rolls back like a scroll and stars fall to the earth, how many stars is it going to take to destroy the earth? Like how many stars fall into the earth is going to, this is the end of the world. This is the judgment and wrath of God that he is describing. Verse 15, the kings of the earth and the eminent people and the commanders and the wealthy and the strong and every slave and free person hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the sight of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. When are we going to see God on his throne? We're not going to see God on his throne until the end. When does the wrath of the lamb come? Well, it comes at the end. This is the end. And then it asks this question. For the great day of wrath has come and who is able to stand? Who can stand under the wrath of God? When God pours out his wrath on the end times, he brings justice for sin. He brings justice for evil. He gives all evil what it deserves. Who is able to stand? Chapter 7 tells us. Those who have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the first installment, the down payment of the now but not quite yet glorified kingdom of God. It's not all the way the kingdom of God, but it is the real kingdom of God installed inside of us. The Holy Spirit indwells us. This is the action of God to come live in our hearts. The Holy Spirit renews and washes and sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit guarantees our place in the kingdom of God and all the spiritual blessings that belong to Jesus become ours by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We prove that we have the Holy Spirit when we see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we admit and see that we are sinners in need of grace, when we confess our belief in Jesus Christ, we prove that we have the Holy Spirit. We prove we have the Holy Spirit when we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit growing within us, more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We prove we have God in us, the Holy Spirit in us, when we are more forgiving than we were before. We receive the seal of the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit at baptism, and we were reminded of that seal during communion. And it marks us for protection from the wrath of God. Chapter 7. Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. I love the protective quality of the seal of God. Who will be able to stand up under that wrath? Those who have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Second, it preserves us by grace. If we continue reading in chapter 7, we see an accounted number, an accounted for believers, and uncountable. Believers who are accounted for and uncountable. Now that seems like logically it doesn't make sense. It seems like either God's going to count us or he's not going to be able to count us. But remember, we have these symbolic images. 
And John continues this vision, and he wants us to know that we are all the believers are taken care of and sealed by the Holy Spirit, and it's the promise of Abraham being kept and fulfilled. So he says they're accounted for and they're uncountable. Here's how he says it. Here's how he says it. Verse 4 of chapter 7. I heard the number of those who were sealed, those who have the stamp, those who have the mark, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. The tribe of Judah, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, the tribe of Asher, the tribe of Naphtali, the tribe of Manasseh, the tribe of Simeon, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of Issachar, the tribe of Zebulun, the tribe of Joseph, and the tribe of Benjamin. 12,000 each were sealed. It's a a counted for number. Uh, This is kind of hard to explain, so hang with me a little bit. In Revelation, we are given a bunch of symbols to try to understand what what God is trying to communicate to John. Some way that he could explain it. Here's how John is explaining that all the people from the Old Testament that were looking forward to the Messiah will be saved and accounted for. And all the people in the New Testament era that are looking back at what Jesus has done are going to be accounted for and saved. And here's how he does it. He says, if you take the 12 tribes... And you take the 12 apostles. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. 12 times 12 is 144. Are we following along? And the number 10 was the symbol of completeness. All is taken care of. So how do you know if it's really, really, really accounted for? You would do 10 times 10 times 10. We have a number 12 times 12 times 10 times 10 times 10. John is trying to tell us that every person that ever had faith is brought in and accounted for. In in Revelation, it says believers are sealed, they're accounted for. In chapter 11, it says they're measured. God owns us. Every believer that ever existed in the Old Testament looking forward to the Messiah or in the New Testament looking back at what he did is accounted for in heaven. We are accounted for and uncountable. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one can count from every nation, all the tribes, people, and languages, standing before the throne and their lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. They're accounted for and uncountable. This is the promise to Abraham. Remember the promise to Abraham? He would be the father of many nations. He would be father of so many children. It'd be like trying to count the stars in the sky or the sands of the sea. John is trying to tell us we're accounted for. Every believer is there. And the promise of Abraham is fulfilled. All that are marked by the seal of the Holy Spirit, protected and now preserved by grace. Where does salvation come? It comes from the Lord. Oh, I love Revelation. It is so hopeful. It is so courage-giving. It is so beautiful to know That when the judgment and wrath of God comes onto all sin, we are going to be protected and preserved. We are going to stand before the throne. Who can stand under the wrath? Verse 9 says, The great multitude which no one can count from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. With robes of white, which means we are made pure. With palm branches, which means we sing victory. And where does our victory come from? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I love Revelation. 
before we go any further, I, I, I want to point out just one more thing about the weird tribe list. Um, in the Old Testament, we had this list of the tribes, and it's Asher, Dan, Ephraim, Gad, Isker, and continue. But in Revelation, it's a different list. And he doesn't start with Asher, he starts with Judah. Well, why does he start with Judah? Well, the tribe of Judah is where Jesus comes from. He is now the leader. And you'll notice that Dan and Ephraim, those two tribes, are not in the New Testament revelation list. In Israel, when they had a civil war and they split, ten tribes went north and they called themselves Israel. Two tribes went south, they called themselves Judah. Well, in Judah, they had the temple where you could worship God and perform a sacrifice. In the northern kingdom, they didn't. So Dan and Ephraim, those two tribes, they set up their own altars. And they set up golden calves to worship. I think John is trying to point us out to something. That those who succumb to idolatry and sexual immorality, like the tribes of Dan and Ephraim, they think they're in. They think they're going to be part of the kingdom. But when the wrath of God comes, they're not among those who are sealed. I think there are some people who claim to follow Jesus that are sitting in this room right now who are not in the kingdom of God in Jesus. Revelation repeats over and over and over again. Those who are sealed by the Holy Spirit are the ones who do not compromise their faith. They don't go down a path of destruction claiming the name of Jesus, but living their own life the best way they see fit. No, those who are in Jesus are the ones who claim to have faith. They claim to put their life in Jesus and they obey and they persevere all the way to the end. Even if it means they die, even if it means they're uncomfortable, even if it means they're tempted by sin, they do not succumb because they have the Holy Spirit within them giving them new life. There is a danger here that John is pointing out. Jesus does the same thing in Matthew 25. Jesus describes the end times when he comes and sits in judgment. And he said, some to the right, some to the left. Those to the right go on to your reward. Those to the left go on to hell. And they said, Jesus, we prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name. And Jesus says, away from me. I never knew you. And the ones that go on to the reward, they said, Jesus, how did we get in? They said, well, Jesus said, when I was in prison, you visited me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in need, you gave me clothes. And they said, when did we see this? When did we do this for you? He said, whatever you do for the least of these, you've done for me. There are some that mistakenly think they are in. Like the tribes of Dan and Ephraim. That John looks into the revelation of heaven revealed and he says, they're not here. You think there's any warning and command in revelation for us to obey and follow? It's there. It's there. The seal of the Holy Spirit protects us. The seal of the Holy Spirit preserves us by grace. And the seal of the Holy Spirit provides us with joy. Revelation chapter 7, verses 14 through 17. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will no longer hunger nor thirst, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd, 
and will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You've heard of Revelation 21, when every tear is wiped away, there's no more sorrow, there's no more pain, only joy. That's what Revelation 7 is talking about. God provides this joy to those who are sealed by the Holy Spirit. A forever joy that begins now and at the end time when the wrath of God is poured out on all of evil and justice comes, that joy will carry on as we stand before the king in celebration, in worship, in singing, and in victory. It's beautiful. Which leads us to a question. How can God both pour out his wrath on sin and protect his people from the wrath of sin? How can God both preserve his promise for all those accounted who look forward in faith and cast out those who don't belong to him? How can he harvest the good and get rid of those who are not in his kingdom? How can God deliver both joy and justice? Justice means you get what you deserve. How can God not give me what I deserve but give me joy and still be a just God? And the answer in what Revelation is about is The answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who crossed the universe to come be with us, becoming like us, human, but without sin, was able to go to the cross and stand in our place to receive the wrath of God poured out on sin. When Jesus went to the cross and he took our sin into his body, because he was human, he could be in our place. Because he was God, he can take the sins of the world. And God exhausted his wrath for sin onto Jesus. The wrath that you and I deserve. How can we be protected? Because Jesus took our place. How can we be preserved? Because Jesus experienced the hell that we're supposed to experience. How can we get joy and justice still be done? Because Jesus pays the price. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and was buried. And after three days, rose from the dead, proving that he defeated sin, he defeated Satan, and he defeated death. And he gives us eternal life to begin living right now, sealed by the Holy Spirit, protected from the wrath of God, preserved for the day of judgment so that we could go on to joy and provided with joy, salvation, forgiveness, justice, satisfaction, peace, rest, you name it. The answer to the promise is yes in Jesus Christ. Oh, I love Jesus. Let me ask you this. What could possibly make you worship somebody other than Jesus? Let me ask it another way. What technology could I force upon you that would make you worship somebody other than Jesus? What could I inject into your skin that would make you worship somebody other than Jesus? What money system could I give you that would make you worship somebody other than Jesus? Because that's the question. Is the digital dollar the mark of the beast? There's two explanations here. Digital dollar is an electronic currency that never be put form in paper. It's only in computers. It's kind of, I don't understand anything about Bitcoin. It's kind of like Bitcoin. It would be a digital legal tender that you could spend and 
you would never see any paper trail. There's some pros and cons to a digital dollar. There's about 10 countries in the world that are trying it out, one of them being China, so it's kind of scary. Um, I already use a digital application because I go into places and I just pay for my groceries with my phone. I never see the cash. It's not the digital dollar, but it is digital and it's a dollar. And the mark of the beast is in Revelation 13. And it says, for the mark of the beast is given to the people who worship a false messiah. The tricky, deceiving beast. The one Satan gives to us. And if you don't worship the beast, he kills you. Let me ask you, what, what would make you worship somebody other than Jesus? I couldn't give you anything, I don't think, that make you worship somebody else. There's no one else that loves you more. There's no one else that sacrificed more. What could make you worship the beast? Let, let's read this passage in Revelation chapter 13. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. See, the first dragon comes up out of the sea. That's Satan. It's a symbolic image. There's a beast that comes up. Satan is trying to imitate what God the Father does. So he brings a Messiah-type figure, a beast. This beast gets a wound. It looks like it's dead, but then it comes back alive. He's trying to imitate what Jesus did. And then there's this prophet that comes along and he says, hey, look at the beast who was dead, now alive, trying to imitate the Holy Spirit. Satan is, is trying to imitate. He can't do anything new. He can't be creative. He tries to imitate what God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit does, but he perverts it. He twists it. Satan has this ability to do miraculous things, and he tricks people into worshiping the beast. He deceives people. What would deceive you to worship somebody other than Jesus? Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who live on it worship the first beast. Okay, you're only going to get the mark of the beast if you worship the beast. Is anybody going to in here worship somebody other than Jesus? Let's keep going. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down on the sky to the earth in the presence of people. And he deceives those who live on earth because of the signs which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast. Telling those who live on the earth to make an image of the beast who had the wound of the sword and come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause all who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. I got to think this is kind of like the symbolic stamp of the Holy Spirit, but it's a perverted one. Although wouldn't it be easier to determine who was with God and who was with Satan, if everybody walked around with either 666 or the seal of the Holy Spirit on their forehead. We do know them by their fruit. And here's where some people get confused and they say, oh, it's the digital dollar. He decrees that no one would be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who understands calculate the number of the beast for the... That is the number of man, and his number is 666. Yeah, there is is some pros and cons to a digital dollar. One of the cons is if it's a government money, and they come along and say, if you keep worshiping Jesus, we're going to remove your ability to use money, that would be a con. 
to a digital dollar. What would you do in that situation? If somebody says you can't buy food unless you reject Jesus and do what we say, what would you do? Because this is the challenge the people that John wrote Revelation to were facing. The people in the day of Revelation would have to go to a Roman market and some of the markets there said you cannot buy any food in the market unless you go over to the altar of Caesar and worship Caesar and then you get your mark and you can come in and buy food at the market. What would you do? Because we all know that you could just go pretend to worship the altar, get your mark and then come in and buy your food. But Jesus seems to indicate that pretending to do that is a compromise of your faith. And that's a dangerous place to be. So what would make you worship somebody other than Jesus? It could be if somebody says, you cannot buy food for you or your family unless you say you're going to worship me. Or it's going to be more subtle than that, right? If you stop worshiping Jesus, then you can buy your food. What about this? In 2014, ISIS was on the move. They had made this big takeover of part of the world. And they came across a village and they captured four young children under the age of 13 who worshiped Jesus. And they said, give up the name of Jesus, obey Muhammad and worship Allah, or we're going to kill you. And those four children said, we will never give up Jesus. We love Jesus. And they were killed. What would make you stop worshiping Jesus and compromise your faith? What if some militant group came in and said, you give up Jesus or we're going to kill you? Of course you would say, sitting here in safety, I would never give up Jesus. What if they came in and said, if you give up Jesus or we're going to take your kids? You have a question. You know you could say, I give up Jesus, and you're just pretending, but really deep down worship Jesus, and you get to keep your kids. In Revelation, they were faced with this very situation. And Jesus says, you have victory over Satan by trusting the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, and you are willing to die for Jesus. I don't think I would be ever deceived into worshiping anything but Jesus. And yet, it is so easy to compromise my faith. There are two great sins in the Old Testament and two great sins repeated in Revelation that allow people to compromise their faith. It's the worship of idols and sexual immorality. Those are the sins that drive us and divide us away from God. What would make you do that? I would never do that. And yet sometimes when I get depressed, you know I don't turn to God, I turn to ice cream. It's not a real big compromise though, right? And I just eat maybe a pint of ice cream and I feel better. As I scrape the bottom, I don't feel as good. So I kind of get depressed about eating ice cream, but I know what would help, maybe a little bit more ice cream. And see, I, 
there's nothing that could be given to me that would make me compromise my faith and not worship Jesus. But I could compromise my faith and not worship Jesus and move further and further away from the light on a path of destruction, away from Jesus. And how long would it take before I reject Christ and say, I don't, I'm not interested in what he has to offer anymore. I want to do my own thing. Jesus says the road to destruction is wide and easy. But the path of salvation is narrow and very few find it. See, there's nothing that can be given to you to make you worship somebody other than Jesus. But the warning over and over and over again in Revelation is, do not compromise your faith. Persevere until the end. Have faithful endurance, even if it means death, even if it means you're uncomfortable. Because the people in Revelation that was written to first century, they were uncomfortable and they were facing death. But what about us? We're not facing death. We're not that uncomfortable. Well, even if you're, even if you're Trial and tribulation is just rejecting the temptation of sin. The command to us from Revelation is persevere to the end, endure to the end. Well, I know God will forgive me. I know God will forgive me. I know I'm forgiven in Jesus. I'll just linger a little bit longer on this webpage. I'll just take a little bit off the top. And that compromise of faith over and over again is exactly the destructive power of Satan's way to trick you into worshiping an idol that is not Jesus, the false beast. I would never do that. And yet, compromise is real easy. The digital dollar or any other technology is not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is given to those who compromise their faith and begin worshiping idols and practicing sexual immorality. And they get themselves so far removed from Jesus that they are now considered to be Satan's team. Part of the danger is we're told in scripture that we have all sinned in one of those ways. And all of us fall short of the glory of God. So we need a reminder that we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We need a reminder that Jesus' blood covers us and washes us clean as snow. We need a reminder that he loves us more than anything on this earth. And Jesus gave us that reminder called communion. He said, when you gather together, do this in remembrance of me. And we need that reminder that he stood in our place and absorbed our sins. Paid our debt with his body. Would you take out your bread? And would you remember that Jesus Christ took your sins into his body? As you chew that bread, remind yourself how his body was pierced. The scripture says, crushed for our iniquities. Would you remind yourself of his sacrifice for you with the bread?
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you reminded us that you have saved us by your sacrifice. You have paid your debt, paid our debt through your body. Would you take out your cup? And would you remind yourself that the blood of Christ has covered over all of your sin, sealed you with the Holy Spirit, protecting you from the wrath of God over sin, preserving you until the day of judgment so that you can experience and be provided with joy and satisfaction. Would you remind yourself of that by remembering the blood that was shed and participate in the cup? Lord, we thank you and praise you that you give us this reminder that we are covered. Lord, help us to live faithfully under that covering and strengthened, encouraged in our faith because of your sacrifice and love because of the eternal life that you give us through your resurrection that begins today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we close out today, if you have some more questions or comments or you wanna talk about what we've talked about today in Revelation, let's make an appointment, let's talk about Revelation. I love talking about Revelation. It's It's my favorite, it's my favorite book of the Bible. If you have questions about how you can place your faith into Christ, where you will be sealed by the Holy Spirit, protected from his wrath, we need to talk about that too. Find one of your neighbors and say, I want to know how to be saved by Jesus. Find one of our elders, one of our staff, make an appointment with me. Let's talk about getting you into Christ and trusting him completely so that you will be sealed by the Holy Spirit, protected for all eternity. Let's talk about that. Uh, Find me after, make an appointment tell somebody. If God is calling you to make that decision, don't leave today without asking somebody, hey, I want to know Jesus like that. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.